Hello, and welcome back. This is the AHA Homeschool Podcast, and I am Katie Shepard. Today, we have our very first ever guest. (laughs) (laughs) And probably my favorite guest ever because he's my husband. Uh, My husband, Justin, works very hard to provide for us so that we can, so that I can be home and and educate our children. Um, He is a contractor. He owns his own business. He's been doing this for about three years, specializes in carpentry, um, also specializes in fixing all things that we break around the house. Um, just, he's, just a few things. Just a few, <laughs> just a few on a daily basis. Um, he is very mechanically minded and he has some things to add to the homeschool conversation based on his experience from education and, and he's, um, he's very smart, but maybe not always smart in a way that showed up the best at school. I think some of the things that he is, he excels at and the gifts that God has given him are things that aren't taught or tested or encouraged within the regular public school system. And that's a conversation we've had over and over again, because we see a lot of those things panning out in our children as they grow and really kind of dig into their own interests. A couple weeks ago, Justin was at a customer's house. And one of the coolest things about what he does is he constantly gets to meet new customers and and they welcome him into his home and he gets to kind of be part of their family for a couple of days or sometimes a couple of weeks and really get to know them and have gospel conversations with them. And it's really been, um, I think, a huge benefit for him uh, and for the customers. And one conversation he had with a customer a few weeks ago was regarding homeschooling and some of the benefits. And he came home and was telling me all about this conversation And after the conversation, I just kept thinking, well, these things need to be shared. I think there's a, there's a husband perspective and hopefully this isn't the first time we have Justin on and, or isn't rather the last time we have Justin on, but it is the first time. Um, So I I hope to bring him in over and over again to, to share the husband perspective because it is it's a commitment for both of us and it's a sacrifice, I think in some ways for both of us. And husbands have a role in it too. And husbands have a role. And I think sometimes when, when the mom is the one doing the homeschooling and we know that there are dads out there that homeschool. So obviously in those homes, it would probably be a little bit flipped from what it is in our home. Um, But he has a role in it too. And for, it's been a journey, I guess, over the, the five and a half, almost six years we've been homeschooling to um, for both of us to sort of figure out our roles. So one of the first things you told me that you were talking to your customer about, one of the first things that really sticks out to you about homeschooling is personal interests. Can you explain that maybe a little bit further? Yeah, so personal interests. So when I was um, in high school, uh, again, Katie mentioned I was very, or I am very mechanically inclined. and I think when I look back to high school and even like early on, um, there was a few things I gravitated towards. I actually gravitated towards mechanical drawing and like shop class and those kinds of things. But in the realm of school, I don't think I was, you know, pushed towards those areas. I was more of a, the college prep classes and it was just assumed. And what was assumed? Uh, the life after school was assumed that I would go to college and go into 
business or one of those okay. you know, types of fields. And so instead of looking at what I was actually interested in or showed interest in in high school, I think because of my, maybe my just overall intelligence, my grades or my background or family or whatever, I was kind of shoehorned into more of a, a college environment. And so when I look back and reflect on what I was able to learn, one of the things I really enjoy about our kids learning now is we can see what God has planted in them. Uh, for example, our one son is very mechanically inclined. He uh, is kind of more on the STEM track, so we're giving him like more of the uh, mechanical things and things of that nature that he can pursue now and see if he has a real interest in. And we should mention that he's 10. he's 10. So he's 10 and we're already doing a STEM track and a mechanically inclined track. He's working on um, lawnmower engines and re kind of refurbishing them with you alongside you to learn that. So at 10, this would not be an option within the public school setting. Right now, I mean, you would still have your traditional core subjects if you go over and we still do those, but you don't really get to that elective stage until maybe high school, you know? So if you're interested in photography, like that might be something you can take your junior year as an elective, but there's no reason you can't take that now. So then you're waiting all the way until you're 17 versus like digging into interest right. earlier. And then, and then, and not saying you're late to the game at that point, but once you're 17 or 18, it's a lot harder to say, I think I want to pursue photography as the next step or career or, Versus like, I've been doing this for seven years. Right. I, I love really this. Enjoy it. Yeah. I would do it even if I wasn't going to school for it. Um, another example is our other son who uh, recently took up interest in bird watching. And so we got him a bird book. We got him some uh, bird feeders. We've talked to some experts. We talked to some experts about it. And he will literally go out and just sit and watch and study and identify and then what's cool about that is that he used to kind of backdoor into some of the science. So he, he then starts to look at the, uh, the classification, the science classifications. Um, he gets to see how, you know, how, how they're similar, how they're different, compare, contrast. He's getting into the sounds of them, the mating calls, the differences and, you know, males versus females and all this other stuff. And he's 10, you know, so that's really cool. And I, I compare that to maybe what they'd be getting in, a public school setting. And I can only imagine like when I was in public school, if a kid came and said, Oh, I want to bird watch. You showed up to recess with binoculars. Yeah, and a bird book. To, yeah. <laughs> like you would almost get laughed out of recess or laughed out of school for being, let's say a geek, but you just be different. You'd like be that, made fun of probably. Fun of, right. So I think what I really like about you know, this first topic is just that they can pursue one, what they want to do or what they're interested in without the repercussions of society or what other kids might think. Well, and our, our 14 year old daughter is, I mean, she's going to be in high school. Right. So as a carpenter, I really <laughs> enjoy obviously working with wood, working with wood. You learn a lot about the trees and the species and right. uh, the sapwood, the hardwood, what makes them um, good for different types of carpentry. Um, and so through that interest, I had a backdoor into, just learning about trees and tree identification. And she has caught on to that yeah, interest. Yeah, just walking around and taking walks, we start you know, saying, hey, what do, you, what do you think this one is? Or this is a white oak, this is a red oak. Okay, what makes it a red oak? What makes this one a sugar maple? Okay, this is a different kind of maple. This one's, you know, 
Well, and she started this whole notebook and she's like drawing the leaves and taking notes. She literally started on her own, grabbing leaves, drawing leaves, figuring out what the identification was, the genius and species. Yeah, the scientific classification. Exactly. And she's doing all this on her own without us prompting her. And I can only imagine, again, as her as a 14-year-old, if she was... Freshman in high school. Freshman in high school, (laughs) walking around, taking notes on trees... I think that might have a tendency to stifle that process quite a bit. So you're saying that this is kind of twofold that like the personal interest, they really get to pursue their personal interest sooner. And maybe like, like one of them dig into their profession now, or maybe they find a lot of things they don't want to do. It's, it's, you, it's both sided for it's two sided for that. But then also the other part of personal interest is they get to be, who God created them to be dig into the interests and the skills and the gifts that God has given them without social influences of that's not cool, or you should be into this, or we think you're a geek or you're stupid because you're studying birds. Like that's not, you're not into the right thing. So personal interest has two, it's a twofold sort of thing. Right. And when I, again, reflect on my own personal story, um, I think about how, God has placed in me certain key characteristics. And I think our role as parents, knowing what we know about ourselves and knowing what we know about our kids is to have them flourish in what God has created for them. And so again, when I look back at my own life, I had interest in it, but the wrong type of influence was pushing me towards different directions. Well, I think when you and I were growing up, and maybe even to a degree today, it's when you go to elementary school, middle school, high school, college. And it was like, when you go to college, you pick something to major in that's there. And while that might sound good from a parenting perspective, like you're encouraging your kids to get four more years education and it might like look good on paper, really you're limited because you pick college and you pick something to major in, but there are so many things that you can do to follow God's calling on your life and to make a living and to provide for a family that you can't find within the limits of a college. College actually can be limiting for someone like you who would have done much better in like a trade school. That would, don't you feel like that would have? Yeah, I think that looking back, that would probably been the right path. I think with the college bent and what I know about my mechanical opportunity, more like architecture would have been good too, or engineering. But if I would have actually experienced that sooner in life and had a taste for it, I would have maybe been on that track to go to architectural school or an engineering school because I found out after I got to college and, you know, I remember sitting on the lawn and my parents looked at me like, what are you going to major in? I'm like, "Uh, I think I'm going to go into sales. Remember looking through that list? We we went to the same college and there was a list. (laughs) What do you majors and what do you want to do? And you find yourself just trying to guess or, make that decision then. And then I found out because I had some friends that were in the architecture school. Well, they actually had to apply to architecture school or they had like to kind of be six months ago. Six months yeah. Ago. And you were a music major. Yeah. And there was a lot of music performance majors that had to have, you know, um, I auditioned after they were done taking people into the music school and they like, I have no idea why they made an exception for me, but they did. And they let me audition. And then I ended up, but right. so I say it was almost to say, too like, late. If you can get your kids that exposure earlier on, 
then you can start to go down those paths of, okay, well, you know, Even if you want to go to college, right. then you're prepared. Okay, I want to, to be an engineer. Yeah. Here's the classes that you need to start taking now, as opposed to getting there later and trying to figure it out or taking more time. Or taking one year just to take like regular core classes before you can declare a major because you didn't know soon enough what you wanted to do. Right. And or you take all these classes, you get into the field and you realize you hate engineering. <laughs> you right. know, it's a lot better to have some kind of um, grassroots exposure. Well, and how many of us know people that have a degree that they're doing nothing with because they got a degree and as it turns out, they don't like any of the jobs that, that go with that field. Right. So having that, that personal interest at an early age that you can identify with as a student and you, as a parent, you can help them to, to grow. It, it does nothing but pay dividends, I think. I agree completely. That's That's been a huge takeaway from my end as the, the mom and the teacher as well. Um, the other thing that you say you notice is the constant teaching. Can you explain what you mean by that? Right. So again, everybody thinks about traditional schools. So I'll start there. So when you're in school, you show up, you're taught, you have recess, you're taught some more, you play with your friends, you get on the bus, you come home. And the parent perspective is... You're, well, your kids come home and they're so done. They can't even, they couldn't even tell me what they learned. Like when they would come home from school, right. like, what did you learn today? They're like, oh, I don't even know. They're just, it was a blur. Yeah. They focus on maybe, maybe some negative things. It's like someone picking on them or, you know, what, what happened at lunch or the recess or the soccer game or whatever. <laughs> we experienced that. <laughs> yeah. So there's, there's tons of other things that also happen. You ask them how what they learned in school, and they're like, ah, some stuff. They can't really articulate what they learned or didn't learn. So as a parent, you're just kind of lost in a sea of what's going on. Um, with homeschooling, I noticed that, one, I know what is being taught. I mean, I see what you're teaching. And I, I work very hard to, to share with you every day, like, or maybe even this is what we're covering this month. So, you know, maybe not every day, but I. Right. At the start of the year, you'll say like, here's the curriculum we're going to do. We're going to cover the civil war. We're going to cover, you know, algebra one, we're going to cover, you know, here's the different topics we're going to cover. But when you boil that down to what that looks like in a daily basis, since you know what the content is, especially as the homeschool teacher, you're, you in this case, when you are teaching a subject, you can also then find find different examples throughout the day outside of the classroom work Absolutely. to then reinforce. And you're giving me an example of like a physics thing that you saw. Oh, just, I mean, everywhere we go, I feel like. Oh, yeah, we were talking about like equal, equal and opposite reactions of one of Newton's laws. And I think Lincoln and Henry were running into the room, ran into each other at full speed, and literally <laughs> bounced off each other. Which is right? normal. That's a regular occurrence. Right. So it was an opportunity, one, to make sure they're okay, but two, <laughs> <laughs> no concussions, concussion protocol for <laughs> But uh, check them out. But then also to uh, to show, okay, this is actually an equal and opposite reaction. You're about the same. You're running about the same speed. You're the same mass. You hit each other. What happens? What happens? You flew off of each other, right? Or they both got new bikes and we talked about the physics of like larger wheels and what that means. And well, they yeah, have a chain and they, they shift have a bike now. Yeah. They have gears and for the first time. Trying to show them what the difference is with the gears and actually showing them like how that works. So you can take the textbook and make it practical and then kind of reinforce. Well, they like to build 
marble runs or uh, Rube Goldberg machines or like racetracks with their Hot Wheels right, so track. There's a lot of potential energy, a lot of kinetic yeah. energy. And all the time this this winter when we were doing physics, you know, they'd say, mom, come downstairs. We want to show you what, what we built. And it was, you know, a new, a new highly designed racetrack with the, the orange track for the Hot Wheels, whatever that's called. And, you know, I'd say, okay, what kind of energy does that car have right now? Okay, now once it's going, what does it have? So I could... Well, then, I could ask them those questions in their play, in the things that interest them, instead of just like, it's not just a textbook. Now it's something they're actually living. Well, I like it too, because it's not just, well, let's use the hot wheels example. It's not just the potential energy and kinetic energy, but I look at it from, okay, well, it's not working. You got an inherent problem. Like the track, the car is not getting over that second hill, right? So it doesn't have enough kinetic energy. How do we give it more than what it started with? So let's reduce drag. Let's, maybe lower that second hill a little or bit. Elevate so the starting point. Elevate the starting point. So then it's more of like, okay, how are we going to take these variables and make it to a solution? And obviously there's some tears involved. When kids <laughs> there's always tears involved. The biggest, greatest, <laughs> awesomest roller coaster race car track. When your invention isn't working, it right, can be least, frustrating. Right, but we can at least pick it apart. And then so I think what I hear you say is that what something you've observed in our family is that when our kids are learning things, um, we can both reinforce them. I think sometimes it's a little bit more me than you just because I'm home with them all the time and you're at work. Well, let's be <laughs> but, clear too. Like we're not like, there's plenty of other time. We're not like constantly trying to make a lesson out of oh, every uh, single moment. It's yeah. just when they come up, we can then say, aha, this was a good, example of what what have you you do it a lot with like reading cur curriculum or this last year you guys did a huge civil war uh curriculum but then you're also doing a lot of reading on the free time where the kids are picking up their own books about the civil war uh, or about maybe people that you know lived around the civil war time and then they can apply it back hey mom did you know that this happened while well, this was happening and yes it furthers that conversation it doesn't just die you know, from nine to three at school, you know, we can pick it up at seven, eight o'clock at night, whenever that conversation comes online. Yes. And I think one of the things I do whenever we're covering a history topic or a science topic is I do a significant amount of research um, through Pinterest and Charlotte Mason resources. I find those Charlotte Mason living books to be one of the best ways to search for books that are going to be Christian minded, but then also historically more accurate than some other things. Most of those books are older, not newer. Um, but I do try to buy five or six um, chapter books or what we would call as like historical fiction and have those on our bookshelf at home so the kids can extend their learning because I know I know what they're learning. And, and a classroom teacher might do that, but but my child can't go into the classroom at seven o'clock at night when they want a book to pick up and pick up a book. They have, they're out of school. So they're, it, school isn't just somewhere you go and learn, I think is what this all boils down to. Is it something we do all the time? It makes it more cohesive too. Like, and you do a great job of this. I know, Kim Murphy, I know a podcast about it is a future topic, but one of the things that Katie does a really good job about is trying to simplify the homeschooling day. So instead of teaching, you know, three different histories, you know, like, you know, a history lesson for Molly, one for Henry, one for Lincoln, 
she decided to do a civil war unit, which all three of them could, um, could understand at the same time. It made it a lot simpler process for her. But then again, when you compare it to like a, a normal classroom, those teachers don't necessarily coordinate what they have going on. So you might have different subjects which are all good, but there's not a cohesiveness. Well, and the cool thing is our family, as a family, we could watch some YouTube videos on like the history of the Civil War and we could have discussions and we could talk about how decisions during the Civil War relate to like political decisions that are going on today. But we could have those discussions as a family versus having to have like three separate conversations with our kids. We can do it all together. Exactly. So it's just a, a more cohesive learning experience. And like Justin said, I am not, I most definitely do not sit all day and be like, okay, this is another <laughs> learning opportunity. Okay, here we go. I mean, we're, we're not, we're not that good. I let <laughs> them go. I let them explore. I let them play. And then in their ex exploring and in their playing, because I know the topic and the vocabulary and all the things that they're learning, I can pull from those words and, and reinforce them. I think it's given them a better vocabulary and just overall um, a, a much broader learning experience versus them coming home from school and not even being able to verbalize at all what they had learned for the day. Okay, so the third thing you say that really sticks out to you that you were talking to your customer about was just this ability for us to go at our own pace. Yeah. So going at your own pace is really just that, like, um, if, if you're picking up the curriculum and moving quickly, there's no, there's no reason why you can't go on to the next thing or even start a whole new curriculum if you've ended it early. Um, Again, I think back to what I learned in school, and there were so many times where, as a class, we never finished a book. Like we never finished a, like a math book. We never finished. You mean like a textbook? A full textbook. Okay. Like, and that could have been because the class as a whole could not get through maybe that curriculum, or maybe you got stuck on a certain topic or delved into. And sometimes topic. getting stuck on a topic in school is good because exactly. you dig into it deeper. Right, but I also am amazed by how many full sets of like textbooks, the full curriculum that we've gone through from front to back. And I think a lot of that is because we can go at our own pace. So if there's a time where everybody's just hitting on all cylinders, yes, move on to the next thing. Our kids do that with math. Once they've, um, you know, showed excellence in like math, for example, a, a specific skill, a specific skill, then they will go on to that next skill. And there's always refreshment to make sure that they are in our math curriculum is designed to be done like you start a new unit Monday and then you test Friday. It's a 30-week curriculum and you finish it over the course of a school year. However, I don't I don't stick to that pace always because that's not just the person who wrote that book wrote that with a lot of education and a lot of experience, but the one thing they don't know is our children. And so I use their education and their experience and their knowledge to do the lesson. But then if our kids pick it up in one day, well, then we move on to the next lesson. We don't, we don't, we're not married to that Monday through Friday to do a lesson. Right. But then there were times where we needed seven days to do a lesson oh, yeah. because it was harder. So it's not, well, it's not always faster. Sometimes it's slower. And another good example is when Molly went through algebra one, which was last year, she did algebra one. In seventh grade. Seventh grade. So a little bit on the early side, a lot of times it's more like a pre-algebra type thing, but she was already coming from a pre-algebra background. We felt comfortable enough to go to algebra one. So algebra one was not 
an easy transition for Molly. And that, and part of that is because we were switching from a curriculum that I think wasn't written as well right. to a curriculum that is written much easier to understand. Right. So that was part of it. Right. So long story short, she excelled at Algebra 1, but we also knew that it came with a lot of tears. She got, she got an A in it. I mean, she got like a 94% by yeah, the end of the year. She aced most of her tests. But we could tell, and she also verified too, that she didn't feel like she had it down. In, like enough. Right. Like she like didn't feel like she could build on it in the exactly. next level. Right. So moving on to an algebra two would have been more tears. She probably would have been okay, but she'd, be had, she'd have a really weak foundation. So what Katie did in her brilliance. Uh, it, it was it, a lot of prayer and it was the Lord saying <laughs> like, back up, you need to... It's, so it's, they decided to repeat all of Algebra 1 this year. And there were still some tears, there was still some crying. So we repeated it in eighth grade. So we did it two years exactly. in a row. So we could slow it down for her to really make sure she is getting it. We might have to do the same thing for the boys, or we might not. They might just, one of them might get it. We might want to move one on to the next one or keep one where they are. Yeah, together, right now, the twins are at the same pace with math, but that's not because I'm forcing them to be at the same pace. It's because so far they're at the same pace with math. Right, but I they also learn very differently. They do. Lincoln pulls it in, sees it, moves on to the next thing. But then also they help each other they because each they other see out. it differently. So it, it, it works well. It does work well. Yeah, I think the algebra example is a, just a really, really good example because if I were a teacher and you know, I have some public school experience teaching, not necessarily at a high school level and definitely not algebra, but I can't imagine being a high school algebra teacher and saying, well, this student got an A, but I want them to repeat the class. Like within a public school setting, the parents would be like, no, 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 my kid got an A, like move them on. And the principals would say, uh-uh, we don't hold kids back to get an A, but, but she was able to get an A and, but that doesn't mean she like had retained all of it. I think she had retained it maybe like in, like on a monthly basis, like at the end of a month, she could remember all the things she learned that month, but by the end of the year, she wasn't retaining the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, it's almost like losing the data that she acquired. Like, she like there wasn't it. enough room yeah, to like, like store it all. Yeah. And, over, so. and so in a public school setting, that doesn't make any sense. But really, what doesn't make any sense is moving a child on just because they tested well. Some of us can test well, and some of us test poorly. People that test well doesn't mean they know it all. And people that test poorly does not mean they learned nothing. It The, the whole idea the whole system of testing, that's a whole nother podcast, but the whole system of testing in and of itself doesn't necessarily guarantee success moving on. And I think we have personally experienced that ourselves in school and then with this, this algebra experience. So any other uh, last bits of wisdom, <laughs> wisdom. Well, <laughs> before we have you on again? <laughs> yeah, we'll do this again and have some, uh, some more insight, but I think just to wrap up, the other thing that helps that kind of goes along with that is that they feel free to ask questions. They don't feel like it's ever um, taboo to ask questions. Or oh, they ask me all the time to say, to slow down. Like, yeah, mom, we can we? have to tell them not to. Like, we're, we're trying to obviously encourage them to ask as many questions as possible. And if we don't know it, trying to figure out what that answer is, but they are just a sponge for information. So why not just keep filling that sponge up? And 
and letting them do all of these things, dig into their personal interests and help them see what they're learning and how it applies to the world. That school isn't just a building where you learn things, that these things apply to their whole lives. And then, and then just this ability to go at their own pace. And let's be real, us adults like to go at our own pace too. Like, I don't always do the laundry the day that it, it quote, should be done, you know, and there are, there are lots of things, right? Like our, our shower head and our shower is currently leaking and it's been leaking. It's been leaking for like a, a long time. And, um, he hasn't done it yet just because it just, it just hasn't happened. And so this idea that children have to go at the pace and consume the interests of what someone else has said they should do really doesn't feed them. It doesn't feed their soul. It doesn't feed the way God created them. God created them to go at a different pace than every other human because they are unique and they're uniquely and wonderfully made. Right. And God gave them each their own interests and all of those interests are not going to be part of school, but there are things they can learn like birds and lawnmowers and all of those amazing things. So I think, um, I think what you're pointing to are just three more benefits of, of homeschooling and home educating and doing it together as a family. And I hope that all of you listening have, have taken away these main points, but then I've also taken away that we come together as a family. This is a family thing we do together. And Justin isn't home most of the day, but he still is doing his part to be involved, not a controlling involved, but an involved in a way that he knows what's going on yeah, and can have those conversations with the kids. Well, in the next episode, we're going to talk about that, of what the, the father role looks like or the spouse's role looks Maybe like. some it's encouragement for dads. Yeah. That would be a what good one. What does that look like? Because it's different for them. Sounds like a point. All right. Thank you for joining us for another episode and we will be back next time. Bye-bye.